0: Here from the Oracle himself, Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett is on stage with Becky Quick in Grapevine, Texas at an event for Hand Up Success.
1: Let's listen in.
0: Now you look at it as something much more than just a fun toy or, or something to kind of aspire to. You watch this as something that's a real way of measuring the economy. You talk all the time about the, the car rail loads. And I just wonder what you're seeing right now when you look at that statistic, what that tells you about the economy. Yeah,
1: it's distorted in the last week or two by the... The floods in the Midwest, and we move a lot of coal, but but uh, there are 20 odd categories that that the uh, railroad industry reports on for all the railroads, and winter is always a little bit of a tricky thing, but I would say that it uh, it looks like it's slowing down. I don't mean it's reversed in course or anything, but it does, it does seem from all of the businesses, but especially including railroad statistics because they come so fast. Uh, and they cover such a broad spectrum. And it gets distorted by whether people are hurrying up the Pacific trade because they're worried about tariffs and all, all of that sort of thing. But I would say that it, it does look like uh, the pace of increase in the economy has s- slowed down. And I, I wouldn't call it, I'd call it somewhere close to noticeably, but I wouldn't go beyond that.
0: Have you seen it broadly, is that when it comes down to commodities, when it comes down to things that retailers are ordering, when it comes down to energy, or are there a couple of areas where you see more weakness?
1: Well, it, it, there are these 20-odd categories of autos and you know, that, uh, uh, aggregates, you uh, name it, uh, grain. Uh, it, most, almost all of those categories throughout last year were, were uh, Many other figures I see on a, on a weekly basis. Worth. Uh, it looks. It looks like things have slowed down. And you always have the weather factor. But uh, uh, that's the way I'm looking at what I see today. I don't want to get too. That doesn't change anything we do. I mean, if, you know, if if there was a flashing red light, if there was a blurring red light, we would keep investing the same way we do. I mean, it, 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 just look at the railroad. In, in terms of what the situation was in the fall of 2009. I mean, the, the, it looked like <coughs> the end of the world, and, 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 and it turned out that that was the low quarter, was the third quarter. You really want to bet on America. I mean, that uh, 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 you listen to that magnificent rendition uh, a few minutes ago, and, and uh, God has blessed America. <laughs>
0: um, I, I don't want to get too wonky on this, but... Um The yield curve, when you look at the 10-year versus the 3-month, has inverted. And again, this is a a pretty important signal. It can signal a recession. It has signaled every recession that we've seen in the last 50 years. And it's only given an incorrect signal once. Uh, It's the first time it's inverted since 2007. Do you
1: see a recession on the horizon? Well, though, I just hope I see a lot of recessions. I hope I look longer. Many recessions I've lived through. But I was I was born on August 30th, 1930, and the Dow was a little over 250. And it was by the time I got out of college, it had not there was only one or two days after my birth that it had been that high. So I no uh, I I don't know whether I've lived through eight recessions or six recessions or you name it. But but that, that that's part of a, that's part of a capital a capitalistic system, and 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 we will have them. And it won't change anything Berkshire either invests in in the way of market. It may offer more opportunities, but in marketable securities or business. If we see a good business and everybody in the world is perishing is, is that inversion has gone to 100 basis points or something like that, we're going to buy it, and, and, uh, and we'll buy it enthusiastically.
0: The reason I, I kind of push on this, though, is you've talked an awful lot in the past about how um, high yields that you look at act as as gravity on stock prices. Yeah. So if you're seeing really low yields, that inversely could mean that stocks should trade a lot higher. What,
1: what do you think at this yeah, point? Yeah. The lower interest rates are basically, the better the options stocks are, because stocks are going to produce whatever they are over the next 20 or 30 or 40 years, but if you buy a 30-year bond, you're going to get that rate or somebody you transfer it to. So when the 30-year bond is at 2.8 or something or 2.9 percent and the Federal Reserve's intent now is to have 2% a year inflation, and you pay tax on the 2.8 or 2.9 that that you receive, so your net is down around 2. You're essentially saying I'm willing to go with a profitless investment for 30 years. That's never really got my blood... I don't get excited about that. And and then when you can buy good businesses that may earn 14, 15% on tangible equity, and they've done it an aggregate, probably a long, long time, and you just think of the difference between the businesses and how they'll compound over time. You can start with the yields that are higher than the bond gives you, and the uh, the odds that those, with a diversified group, that, that improves over time. It's it's, it's a bond with ascending coupons, because that's where the old bond of uh, stock is. It's it's a bond with a whole bunch of coupons that go out to infinity, and there you just you have to print the amount on the coupons yourself, you don't know the numbers. But the one thing you know is the numbers on on stocks as a whole are going to be way greater than 2.8%. So uh, the, lower, the lower bond yields go, the more attractive stocks are as a long-term investment. And what it says about the next three months or six months or one year, I don't know, and I really don't care. All
0: right, let's stick with some of your big and we
1: lost all the audience now? <laughs>
0: subject let's talk about some of your big investments um airlines an area that you had sworn off you went back into pretty heavily a few years ago you now own major stakes in american united southwest and delta and in the most recent filings it showed that you had bought even more shares in delta it pushed you above 10 percent i just talked to you a couple months ago you said you generally try not to push above 10 percent what happened
1: well that was an interesting situation delta made an appearance, I don't know, three weeks ago or it's at, at some investment conference and they announced, they. I think they announced they bought in 26 or 27 million shares and borrowed a billion dollars to do it. Well, I like that two aspects. They bought in 4% of their stock, so all of a sudden we own 4% more of Dell than we had the day before. I like the fact they were willing to borrow a billion to accelerate the stock repurchase program. But what I didn't realize was that that purchase had taken us over 10 percent, so I was already in in territory that I didn't plan to get. So I just decided to buy a whole lot more stock. <laughs> I mean, once 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 I'd been once I'd uh, lost my virginity, essentially, I <laughs> I thought, why well, stop at one? You know. <laughs>
0: Does that mean you like Delta better
1: than the other airlines at this point? No, I I, I accidentally understand. went above ten percent yeah, uh, 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 and Yeah. Uh, I I uh you know I, I made an investment in US Air back in the late nineteen eighties and uh, I think it was for three hundred and eighty some million dollars in did I had that dinner and he said he needed some money so I wrote the check and I think before the before the check had cleared the money was pretty much gone. I mean, (laughs) it it was, U.S. Airways went broke a couple of times subsequently, and and, uh, uh, I tried to sell our interest at 50 cents on the dollar and couldn't do it, and fortunately it had this period when it actually did well. So we actually made money on that airline investment. But if you look at the number of airlines that went broke in this country. If you look at the number of auto manufacturers that went broke, I mean, it, it, the capitalism can can be rough. It produces good results overall, but but it is survival of the fittest. And the, but the airline industry is a very, very competitive business, and it'll always be a very competitive business. I don't think it's a suicidal business anymore, but it was for quite a while. Um.
0: Three of the airlines that you own a major stake in also were flying the Boeing 737 Max and have had to ground those. Um, I don't know how closely you've been following along, but what do you think about what you have
1: heard to this point? Well, I don't think that... You know, obviously Boeing has a lot of work to do very promptly and, and, and uh, the airline industry has been so safe. I mean, unbelievable. The... Uh, we happen to sell insurance uh, also, and, and, and the rates uh, went down so far just because the, the industry is so safe. And obviously, the, there's a problem with this uh, 737 Max, and, and the uh, the Boeing. You can bet they're staying up 24 hours a day to get it worked out. And that won't change the industry or anything over time. But, uh, uh, airline airline travel is, and you know. It, 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 it's almost impossible to believe how much that's improved in terms of safety over the last, uh, well, during my lifetime.
0: Let's uh, stick on the themes. We've already talked about planes and trains. Let's talk about automobiles, too, because you also own a stake in GM.
1: One of the fellows in the office does. There's two fellows at each bandage. Berkshire sure Hathaway does. Yeah, yeah sure exactly. Hathaway a
0: stake in GM. I think it's 2.6 billion.
1: I think it's a little over... It's around 5% of the company.
0: Okay. Um, GM has been back in the headlines very recently because President Trump has been upset, and very vocally so, with them closing that plant in Lordstown, Ohio. He's called Mary Barra to talk to her about how he would like to see the plant either reopened or would like it sold to someone else who can uh, make something, manufacture something there. Um, Again, President Trump has talked to Mary Barra about this. Have you talked to her about
1: it? I've not talked to her. I haven't seen her for... Couple of months. Uh, um, actually, we uh, have a lunch date coming up fairly soon. But I, I think Mary Barra has done a sensational job at General Motors. That is not an easy job. She came into it, and I think she was appearing before a Senate committee or something within a very short period of time. And uh, now I, I'm a huge admirer of Mary Bar- Barra and the job she has done at General Motors. And the auto industry is not a static industry, and if you keep doing everything the same way you did it in that business, in fact, if you aren't thinking many years ahead, you are making a big mistake, and and every, every footprint that an auto company might have had 50 years ago or 30 years ago or 10 years ago is going to be obsolete at some time, and, and, and the ones they're putting in now are going to be obsolete. It's the nature of it. So I, They've offered jobs, as I understand, uh, many of those workers who have, are taking them at other plants, and 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 I uh, capitalism was described as creative destruction, and you know we had in Omaha we probably had 15,000 people working in the packing houses many years ago, and we don't have them now. They work at insurance. And frankly I'm glad they are. <laughs> it's been good to us. So change is part of change is part of a capitalistic system, and and if you don't believe it, you're going to be you're going to be doing some very dumb things. Change has been huge in the rail industry. If you look at the safety record and rail how it's improved and, uh, you know, the efficiency of the operations. It, and that's good for America. Good for the shareholders, too, but it's good for America.
0: Although the, the people who get left behind in those situations, that, that leads to the political discontent that we've seen in this country. They should be. And the inequality.
1: So what do you do about that? Well, what you do in it in a country with $65,000 of GDP per capita, per capita. That's more than six times what it was when I was born. Here we had a developed economy, and now you have six times what we had then. And you do take care of the people that, for one reason or another, can become, and it's a terrible term to use, but it's true, roadkill in an economy. We, had, we started, Berkshire Hathaway was a textile mill in New Bedford, Mass. And there aren't any textile mills in, in New England anymore. And we had 2,000 employees, half of them only spoke Portuguese. With our prosperity, we should take care of people who become, in effect, roadkill because of something beyond their control. And I'm 100% for free trade. I think it has benefited this country enormously and will continue to benefit it. But the benefits of free trade are invisible. Uh, You you don't think about the fact your shoes cost 10% less or your underwear or whatever it may be. I mean, you're benefiting all the time in ways totally invisible. There's nothing at Walmart that says you just saved 8% because we bought this somewhere other than the American manufacturer. So you have this huge national benefit unseen, but you ruin the lives, economic lives of people who are 50 or 55, and they're not going to be retrained, or they're not going to relocate. We had a shoe factory in, 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 in Dexter, Maine, and and those people did a terrific job, and they had jobs that their parents had for them, uh, but they became uneconomic an in a world economy, and they should, a rich country can take care of those people to follow policies which benefit all of us, to take care of the relatively few who are dislocated. And, and, uh, I, think that's, I think that's the obligation of a rich country.
0: Um, GM has been looking to the future, trying to find uh, what the future of its industry is going to mean, and one of the things they've done for that is to invest in Lyft, which is going public tomorrow. Um, the initial price for that just got raised, and it now values the company at around $20 billion in market capitalization based on this new pricing. Um, how would you value Lyft when they say inside? The prospectus that not only are they not profitable, they lost almost a billion dollars last year and they're
1: not sure when they'll be profitable. How do you figure that out? Well, I don't know whether the aggregate valuation you're talking about is close to $25 billion now or something like that and I certainly wouldn't buy a business for $25 billion. I always think in terms of buying the whole business, if we buy 100 shares of, you know, we think we're buying the whole business and we multiply if they've got, you know, the billion 200 million shares out, and it's selling at 35 or something like that. That would be 40 odd billion in the case of GM. So I look at what I'm getting as a part owner of a business, and I don't know why, uh, with all the things you can buy for 25 billion in this world, that uh, you would pick a business that really has to be earning 2.5 or 3 billion pre-tax in five years. to even be on the same radar screen as things you can buy right now. So I've never been a big buyer of, of uh, well, I haven't, I haven't, we haven't bought an initial public offering, or I haven't, Charlie hasn't, uh, I think since 1955, I bought 100 shares of Ford when it came out. Uh, what did you buy? <laughs> what? What did you buy? It was Ford Motor. Gus Levy was running it as a favor, gave me 100 shares, and I, I have to admit it now, I think the statute of limitations has expired. Uh, I, I took a free ride on 100 shares and made 500 bucks, and it's the only time I've ever done that. But, but uh, <laughs> I was making 12,000 a year at the time, and 500 looked very good to me. But I, I think, I think there are, I think buying uh, new offerings during hot periods uh, in the market, I, I don't think it's anything the average person should think about at all.
0: You, you have said that you've missed out on some of those like you should have bought Amazon a long time ago you should have bought Google slash alphabet a long time ago could this be one of those scenarios
1: it, what was the last question?
0: could this be one of those scenarios oh
1: it, it always can be
0: yeah
1: I mean there were a paradise in the desert in one time many years ago that how uh, they had them in a little case that came up 32 times in a row you know well that's you know that's <laughs> uh, what a thousand times a million times a billion times you know four billion to one a little lower so, you can go around making dumb bets and win, <laughs> you know. It's not something you want to take as a lifetime policy, though, I mean, and, 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 uh, I, I don't worry about, I, I worry much more about the things I do than the things I don't do. I mean, i, I, I missed all kinds of opportunities in my life, but, uh, but that's, that's, you just want to make sure that, that You're on the side of the house when you bet rather than bet against the house. (laughs)
0: Uh, Your biggest holding is Apple. You have $47 billion or so in in Apple shares, and Apple just had a huge event this week. It was star-studded. People like Oprah Winfrey and Jennifer Aniston were there, Reese Witherspoon. Um, It was all to unveil this new streaming services that they have, news, entertainment. I just wonder, I know you have an iPad, are you going to be downloading? any of those things on your
1: iPad? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm right up to the day. Here's my phone, incidentally, so I'm... Uh, uh, Alexander Graham Bell it to me, and I forgot to return it. <laughs> the, the, uh, entertainment is a game that's is really, I mean, the big players are at it, and they're playing for keeps, and uh, one problem they all have is that, that uh, everybody just has two eyeballs and they've got X hours of discretionary time, they're going to sleep, they're going to work, and, and uh, so, so maybe they have four or five hours a day and, and two eyeballs, and, and they're using them now. And now they're going to have a, and they, obviously there's disruption going on in, in delivering various things to you. People are always going to want to watch sports, you know. They're always going to want to watch new but there's uh, certain things Uh I want to watch the Olympics. The question is how much it's worth whoever gets it to them. But you've got some very, very, very big players that are going to fight over those eyeballs. The eyeballs aren't going to double. The time isn't going. I mean, it's a relatively fixed market. And uh, when you get the size of certain players, then disrupted in an enormous way by Netflix, which nobody dreamt about ten or so years ago. And we'll see how a game like that comes out, but, but the, that's not an easy game to predict because you have very smart people with lots of resources trying to figure out how to grab another half hour of your time. And, and uh, uh, I would not, I, I not want to play in that game myself. That's too tough for me.
0: Well, you kind of are. It's your biggest investment.
1: Oh, well, no, no. Apple's a lot more than I mean, that. Apple, you know, I'd love to see them succeed. That's a company that can afford a mistake or two. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't want to buy stock in the company that has to do everything right. You know, that, that is not the good thing. Uh, you know, in, in, in the mining business, you know, they, 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 in, you know, any mine being dug should, should be able to stand a certain amount of bad luck because you, you run into different things as you, as you really get 5,000 feet down or whatever it may be. And, and there are some businesses that are quite predictable. Uh, Berkshire's made lots of mistakes over the years. And when I say Berkshire, I mean me, but I say Berkshire. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, yeah, and we started with the textile mill, yeah, uh, and we had two other companies that fed into Berkshire. Diversified retailing and blue chip stamps, one it was trading stamps, that went to zero. And we started diversified retailing with the department store in Baltimore, which, which eventually disappeared. So, uh, you know, you're, you're going to make mistakes. You don't want to make them with too big a portion of your capital, and you want to recognize them when you do it, and you want to, you want to basically hang on to your winners. And, uh, uh, so I, I don't... Uh, it may just be the fact that I'm you know an 88-year-old male, so I, I don't look back and think about all my mistakes all the time. <laughs> it didn't take too long, anyway. <laughs> so uh, Apple should do some things that don't work yeah have uh, uh, got1 I mean this is
0: not a huge endorsement of what they just announced this week you think this is going to be one of the things I, gonna... I don't
1: know okay I, no I don't know I, I, I know that if I'm Bob Ager, uh, Disney, you know, I'm going to think about every way that I can to beat them to the punch you know I, I, you know if I'm if T if I'm comcast uh, uh, and obviously Netflix is you know, is going to Try and make sure that Apple doesn't get part of their territory. I mean, that is capitalism, and it's it's produced. Well, just think of what Dallas, you know, 200 250 years ago, three times three lifetimes like mine, less than three lifetimes like mine. You know, there wasn't anything here. And just look around you. You know, as you come from the airport or wherever. This is a product of. An incredible system. I mean, I, I get the goosebumps when I hear "God Bless America," something like that. I mean, because this this country, in three of my lifetimes, has turned you know something that the you know, the French were willing to sell a quarter of it to us for 15 million bucks, something, I and throw in the mineral rights, which people in this audience will understand. <laughs> Part of the payment for the Louisiana purchase, 20% of the payment was. Was, uh, what was it, three, $3 million bucks and fifty, ounces of gold. And we got South Dakota where one mine turned out 40 million ounces of gold. You know, I mean, uh, uh, don't, uh, I, don't know who, I don't know who made that deal for France, but it, <laughs> 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 So this system is just remarkable. And, and when, 10 years from now, when we look at the entertainment delivery, it will be what people want. It will be in the form they want. It will be it'll be the, whatever the creativity comes up with, and, and it's going to be a very, very big, hotly contested game. And the one thing I can guarantee is the public will be the winner.
0: Um, let me ask you very quickly. Apple also announced a credit card that they're releasing this right. week. It is supposed to have no fees, and you don't even really need a physical card. You can do it just right over your phone. Does that concern you about Amex, where
1: you also have something like $16 billion invested. We own about 18% of Amex. And, uh, you know, everybody in the world wants to control payments. And I felt a little better, though. I was talking to Richard Fisher here just a few minutes ago, and he, he reminded me that one point, that the currency in circulation is now $1.7 which is up from about now. The currency in circulation goes up 6% a year. Now, I, I don't know whether that's all a bunch of people tucking dollar bills or $100 bills under their pillows because they don't like interest rates that well currently. But but payments is a huge, huge game, and different countries will respond in different ways. But I like our 18% position in Amex, and I like our 5.5% position at Apple.
0: Um, while we're on the subject of financials, uh, recently in the news, another one of your major investments was Fargo. Um, Has been kind of hounded. Maxine Waters, who heads the House Financial Services Committee, along with Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown, two senators, have all said they want Tim Sloan fired. You're the biggest shareholder in Wells Fargo. Does Tim Sloan have your support?
1: Do I have an issue with.
0: Does Tim Sloan have your support?
1: I'm sorry,
0: does Tim Sloan have your support? They want him
1: fired. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I don't want his job. <laughs> I, I actually came in once 28 years ago, with, you know, Solomon, which, where the whole world was mad at him. And uh, when I went to bed at night, I mean, I, I was scared because I didn't know what additionally had been done, you know, 10 years earlier or 5 years earlier and, and how i deal with it because people were furious with it. So I, I'm very empathetic to anybody that walks into a, a a a big problem at a very 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 large and politically sensitive, politically sensitive institution, uh, where you've got maybe 250 or so thousand people, and the bad acts of one of them, you know, can can reflect on you. It, it, that's the only thing that I worry about at Berkshire Hathaway. Really. I don't worry about our financials or earnings or anything like that, short term or long term. But I do recognize that there are, in our case, 390,000 people out there and uh, somebody's doing something wrong. Probably 50 people or 100 people are doing something wrong at any given time. The only thing I have to remember is what my partner, Charlie Munger, is now 95 pounds into me all the time. He says an ounce of prevention isn't worth a pound of cure. An ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure. So anytime you have anything unpleasant, You've, you've got to attack it immediately. So it's so easy just to kind of shove it off or help somebody down the line solves it, and uh, you, you pay a huge price for that, and Wells Fargo has.
0: Um, there's a, a, a class action lawsuit that has been filed against all of the big real estate companies. Berkshire Hathaway Home Services is the largest real estate company. It is one of those named in this class action lawsuit, and the suit is being brought by the lawyers who went after big tobacco and won. They look at what's happening in the real estate industry and say that 6% fee that sellers have to pay when they sell a house, um, they look at it as a monopoly, a cartel, um, and they're going after that 6%. Mm -hmm. First of all, do you think it is a cartel?
1: No, it's not a cartel. I uh, I think the largest uh, company that the business doesn't... Most three percent. I mean, if you think of I think
0: they look at the fees themselves that are aligned with the MLS system and the multiple listing system and say there's all this kind of behavior that tries to make sure that that fee can't come down, and it is high relative to what you see in other nations.
1: Well, I'm just saying, this, if it's a cartel, it's not a very effective when I, I think we need to beef it up or something. Gonna, <laughs> you know, you'll always have them for sale by owners, you've now got people. Uh, there's, there's many online uh, experiments of one sort or another that, uh, now I, I, I've never felt I've been you know many years looking, although I've only actually purchased one home for myself. But I, uh, I, I do not feel that there's an organization out there that is that's foreclosing me buying on various things. For one thing, you know, you know usually there's two sides there's a broker on each side of the deal and, uh, uh you can probably negotiate with some brokers' it's certainly on the larger purchases they are negotiated uh, very frequently
0: you, you did sell a house in California last year did you pay six percent
1: I think we didn't pay five or six I, and my daughter did it but it, it was whatever was standard for houses in Emerald Bay where, where we had it. we did not negotiate with a broker and incidentally, I feel that he very much earned his money, but uh, he did a terrific job, and and he had no assurance after working on it for a year, year and a half to say it would even take place. So here he he spent significant funds of his own uh, in terms of advertising it, and and uh, uh, lots of time involved And I could have I could have called off the listing at any time. I didn't know him a penny. So it, uh, it, it, if if you're looking if you're if you're looking for for uh, demons in the American capital system. I don't think you'll find out with your local real estate bugger.
0: <laughs> um, Warren, let's talk a little bit about philanthropy, because that's why we're here today. Um, the changes in the tax law have some people concerned that you are going to see a big drop in charitable donations, because it means that fewer people are going to be itemizing their taxes. As a result, if you don't itemize your taxes, you can't deduct the charitable donations that you make. Do you think that that's going to be a problem?
1: I doubt it. The 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 U.S. contributions uh, to philanthropy. Churches are by far the largest, incidentally. Uh, Are are, are, are about two percent of GDP. Amazingly, uh, close to that over the years. I mean, uh, 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 Americans are a generous people. I mean, compared to most countries, the two percent of GDP is, is is high compared to most countries. Interestingly enough. I looked at uh, You can go to the internet and look it up. Uh, they have by the, states, they have uh, adjusted gross income on tax returns, and then they have charitable contributions. And uh, all of you can mentally try and think that one, one state is far above all others. And, and if you think about it a second, it's, it's, it's your talk. You know I mean? Because a uh, significant part of the population is, is, is committed to Ten percent. Ten percent, yeah. I asked them if they had a junior membership one time. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Americans are, are remarkably philanthropic, and, and, and the people really who are the most philanthropic are the ones, well, like you saw today, they give their time. I mean, that's, that's precious. You, you can't buy time. Can you know, I'm 88, I can't buy time and I can't buy love, you know, I can buy a lot of other material things, but, but when they give their time and their love in something like this, it's extraordinary. And, and then the people that have very little, and when they make a contribution, it really means one less movie or one less night fade out or something of the sort. So, uh, Americans really stack up quite well in that respect.
0: You yourself have said that you are giving away 99% of your wealth. You're giving it to five uh, charities. That right, we're going to pivot
1: away from uh, Mr. Buffett and our Becky Quick, uh, speaking in Texas at a charity event down there as they talk a little